right. uh, a chamomile man, Stephen Seagal is. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm gonna go over here. Uh, I swear I'm. I swear I'm a cop from. Uh... Now, I, see, I kind of feel like he's a little bit like uh, Marky Mark. Yeah, Just he has a little, a little bit. bit of that. A little yeah. bit of that upward stuff. That he does yeah. on his words. Yeah, I got the mother birthday. You gonna find out what's going on? I'm Steven Skull. Yep. I don't know how to run. <laughs> and this or is coming he, from a fat or he's dude. Got so. a, <laughs> uh, we know your relationship with like running and <laughs> how you are. Yep. Yeah, how you are <laughs> firmly against it. But mm-hmm. uh, but Steven Skull either does not know how to run or he has figured it out, and we're the ones who who need to like emulate his his sort of style of running. Maybe the key is to just like loosen all of your joints and just oh, okay. flail your limbs uh, willy like, nilly and just, just kind of like, see where the day takes you. Maybe, maybe Steven Seagal is the jazz of running. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Nah. No. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Close. Good try. Let's go. Go. You know we got to keep it hype all day and night like this. Showing love when we can. Shout out to the super fans. Uh Uh-huh. You don't really want to miss Pop Soccer. Stay lit. So if you ready, we ride and take it back to the 90s. From movies to the video games, just a couple of nerds keep us so entertaining. Hey, Pop Saga. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Saga, the destination for all things pop culture, Asterix. Today, we're deep diving, I mean deep, into the world of Babylon 5. This episode, we're shining the Psycop spotlight on Season 1, Episode 6, Mind War. Get ready for a thrilling exploration of telepathic intrigue, political tensions, and a truly ever-evolving narrative that makes Babylon 5 a sci-fi classic. I'm John, caretaker of Babylon 4. Wait, it disappeared? Uh Uh-oh. Well, as always, I'm joined by Commander Forrest Sinclair, Commander Jeffrey Sinclair's Nepo cousin. So hop onto your star furry, hit the jump gate because the year is 2024. The name of the place is Pop Saga. There nice. you go. That's what you get. It's a little disjointed, but yeah. I liked it. Uh, it is weird on the show when they say the name of the place is Babylon 5. Yeah. Yeah. And every season, a different is a spoiler alert. God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know already. Every season, a different person does the intro uh, text, and it changes depending on the season. And like oh. when you, so when you get like Sinclair, you get like the name of the place is Pop Saga. But then when you get all of a sudden to like um, Bruce Boxleiter's character, you're just all like, he's like, the place, Babylon 5. And you're like, <laughs> Like, all right, that's cool. Get out, Sheridan. Sheridan, chill out. You're cool. It's, You're cool. We get it. It's just funny because it's like the, I think the place is better than the name of the place is Babylon 5. It's like, it's like uh, 
You could just say this is Babylon 5 or something. I don't know. It, it seems just like he's filling out a form. Sort of. I think, I mean, it's it's the personality traits. Like, if you had to kind of weigh a Sinclair and weigh it against, like, the Star Trek captains, or, you know, the main people in charge, Sinclair's kind of like your Picard, where I would oh, say okay. Sheridan is definitely more like a Kirk. In in the broadest of sense. In, sure, in he's a little sense. more, Sheridan's a little more cavalier, a little more charismatic, whereas like, uh, uh, whereas Sinclair is just like this kind of straight-laced military guy who loves, he like has two modes. It's just like normal talking Sinclair, and that doesn't matter. It's like in the bedroom, on the, it in the hallway. Change. It exactly. doesn't change. And then, or it's Mad Sinclair, which is like, ah, you get away from her. Yeah, um, that's I'm Mr. Gonna... Freeze, but that's. <laughs> this, this, yeah, that's fine. Concept of this is the same. <laughs> Nora, where is Nora? Calm down, Sinclair. Sinclair, this is Babylon 5. Who is Nora? Where is Nora? Who is Nora? More <laughs> importantly, why is Nora? <laughs> yeah. That, that classic. Thing that uh, Mr. Freeze says all the time. Why is Nora? <laughs> You'll figure it out eventually, Freeze. Don't worry about it, Freeze. Yeah, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my penguin. Chill out. That's <laughs> right. You just yeah. Remember, it. we used to we used to do that. Hey, Pop Saga pals, do you want to see the Batman '66 episodes come back? Let us know. They yeah. were not popular. <laughs> So not I, at all. I guess it's, it's that the answer is no. But uh, if you liked it, let, let us know. We might, uh, we might we might throw another one on there. I mean, I think we should when we feel like it. We we paid for the theme song, so we should uh, we should dust that sucker off every once in a while and use it. That's right. And uh, art so good it got copyright claimed. Yeah, like immediately. They're like, yeah. "Whoa, this is better than the stuff we do." You can't do that. He's yeah. like, someone's gonna definitely think we're responsible for this. Take them out. Hey, what, there's a red dot coming through my window. Hold on one second. Oh, let, let me close it. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> well, I guess it's a solo podcast from here on out. <laughs> I mean, well, your hitman finally got me. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the. Uh, I thought it was Michigan J Frog out there with a scope. It's like the WWB. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, this was um I, I just gotta say off the rip, this was a very interesting and profound challenge that um uh, of trying to pick an episode right off the rip. And um Yeah, I, like, I, I put you on the spot. I said, Hey really did. we're not gonna do we're gonna take a, a slight deviation from our typical Star Trek saga and we're gonna dive into another you know, we've talked about Babylon five before i i committed to watching more of it didn't uh i mean i watched some but uh <laughs> that, certainly not as much as i i uh made it sound like i was going to um so uh i thought hey let's why don't we revisit this topic because this is something that i don't know it's something that uh, for a change perhaps that you are far more interested in than i am and i think that that is I, we've we've had a couple of those shows, but I think that is definitely interesting for me because I get to approach it then, at, coming from like trying to, um, 
just kind of understand what you like about it. And I think that there is a lot to like about it. I'm not saying anything bad about Babylon 5, but uh, but I really did put you on the spot and said, hey, do this thing. And it was like not even that long ago. I'm like, uh, pick us an episode of Babylon 5 to watch. I know. And then that, that broke me. It broke me in a way because I was just like, for those who are uninitiated with Babylon 5, uh, should we start this now or should we tell people what we're drinking? Then start that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you could just talk about how hard it was to, <laughs> to, yeah. to uh, let's not keep the people in suspense. Well, then we'll go on to the drinks and then we'll get into this, the schmack. All right. See, look, this is why you, this is why you're in charge of the show. And I'm not because but, I'm just like, I'm chaos. Uh, <laughs> that's what it needs. This was, that's just the show that's thrives what it on chaos. Like. It eats Fair chaos. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was extremely difficult because uh, for those who are not uninitiated, Babylon 5 was a, a sci-fi show in the early 90s and, you know, yeah, yeah early to mid 90s that uh, uh, ran for five years and it was, it was meant to run for five years. That was what the story was. There were some additional movies that have kind of come out since and a little before and a little afterwards but the idea was this one story that j michael straczynski wanted to tell and he got to tell it there was no cancellations there wasn't any of that stuff and because it is such an involved story i couldn't just be all like oh yeah let's just jump to episode like you know let's go to season three episode 19 because thinking about him like there's no context for you so you would be having to hopefully pick up clues from what people are saying to infer what they are, but really without having that, I don't want to say even deeper understanding, just having that understanding of what happened before would, um, I feel like would minimize the impact. So this, that was the challenge. Cause I was just like, oh yeah, I have a bunch of favorite episodes, but I think you would hate them without, <laughs> or you would dislike them without at least some level of, uh, a story or understanding that, you know, they're just not going to really fill you in with because they wanted you on the ride. Like you, you could think of this as a series of novels. You could think of this as, you know, like, you know, one giant thing. So it was really difficult, but I felt like, okay, I, I landed on something that I thought wasn't too far into season one. And, you know, and some people even like their season one's not their favorite season. And, and I could see why. But I felt like this was a good episode for a, a few reasons. So that's why I was like, Mind War, episode, six episodes in. But realistically, what it's doing is it's starting to show you the bigger picture um, within right. this episode. And I thought that was very important to understand, kind of. It's bigger than just like, you know, the other... Uh, a science fiction show that was on at the same time that featured a space station. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, it, it's bigger than that. And they both honestly kind of go their same ways because there are some, like I, I need to do more. Uh, I've only read some things on it. There's some like talk about like, since one show is coming up around the same time, whether like, Star Trek hopped on the Deep Space Nine wagon to get ahead of Babylon 5 or, or something else. I think there's a little bit more to it than than that, than just it just happened to being the same thing. But anyway, long story, rant over. Real difficult, but I'm happy I landed on this episode because I think it's a pretty good one. Rad. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I've I've heard those rumors as well. Although I I'm I could have sworn that I did read that there was uh it was just one of those things like um Dante's Peak and Volcano. Yeah, that's why like I, that's why I said it's rumors, like cuz I have no, you know, I have no clue. It just yeah. could have been happenstance, you know, people were trying to change up the Star Trek formula too. And I was just very fortunate as a teenager during this time because I didn't have one, but I had two excellent shows I really enjoyed watching. And I never even had to change the channel. You yeah, know what I mean? why choose when you could have both? Um, yeah. Awesome. But <laughs> let us take a little trip down to the brown sector. That's right. I'm not talking about me yesterday. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Happy Days Bar. That's right. The the rough and tumble haunt of Babylon 5. Down to the brown sector. <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, where we will be checking in uh, with uh, our hosts, myself included, and uh, talking about what are we enjoying this evening. Well, uh, I have opened up another one of my gift beers that I got from the beers around the world. Uh, this week, it's a cerveza from Portugal called Super Bach. Sabor Authentico. Um, Sabor Authentico. Yeah, it, the logo is very much kind of like uh, either a fake uh, St. Ides logo fake Miller logo and or even like Lucky Brand's cigarette logo. Yeah. Sounds good. classic. Yeah. It's, it's not only classic, it's authentico. All right. Smelling it smells like a beer. All right. That's good. That's a good sign. Smelling like a beer is a good first step to also tasting like a beer. It tastes like bread. Tastes All right. Like bread. Ooh, that's good. A yeah. bready beer. I'm a fan of a bready beer. Not bad, and it doesn't really have a, a look. Apparently, it's a, port, a Portuguese lager beer with 35 consecutive gold medals for something. Hot dang. Yeah, it's not 35. too bad. It it's got a pretty light finish, too, so it doesn't really linger around. Yeah, not bad. I did all right today. Did all right. Super Bowl. Heck yeah. A good one for a change. Woo! Finally. You know, I, I, I think I deserved it. <laughs> to be honest, I think I deserved it. But anyway. Yeah, you really did. Yeah, I really did. But yeah, anyway, Super Bach, that's what I got. What's in your glass, mug, bottle, can, shot glass? Great. All great guesses. There are so many options that it could be. Uh, well, you know, I was at the Total Wine looking around and uh, looking for something that's not too heavy on the old calories and carbs and so on and so forth. And uh, I stumbled upon another product by Lagunitas. Lagunitas, uh, I want to, I mean, I pretty much like everything I've ever drank from there. So I guess it's one of my favorite breweries. There you go. Um, but uh, this one was not indeed a beer, regardless of what the, uh, the name brewery might conjure in your imagination. Uh, no, this one is called Lagunitas Presents Disorderly Tea House. Uh, the mixed up berries flavor, sparkling and spiked. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna pronounce this incorrectly, but 
Guayusa T. G U A Y U S A T. If I pronounce that incorrectly, my apologies. But it has with uh, natural raspberry and blackberry flavors added. So it's basically a spiked iced tea. So let's give it a go. It's got a great uh, label on it. It's a uh, blue and um, sort of a. It's a little dark in this room, but it's a. It's kind of a, a magenta. Um, with a yellow stripe running down the middle. It has a, you know, it has like a little tea bag uh, that is, is sort of a, uh, is the background to the word tea, so that's fun. And uh, the little tag on the tea bag is the little dog from Lagunitas. It's 5% alcohol by volume, 12 fluid ounces. Here we go. Oh god, it went everywhere! <laughs> oh, team! Why have you forsaken me? Heaven forbid the tea has forsaken you. You will not steep the tea, the tea will steep you. Oh wow, that's very interesting. So it definitely tastes like unsweetened raspberry tea. Oh. Um, right. But it is also carbonated. Quite refreshing. Like, refreshing enough you'd want to pour that over ice or just keep the can real cold? What you talking here? I would... Hmm, that's a good question. I'm drinking out of the can right now. I might pour it over ice and put a little lemon wedge in there. It could, uh, I think with a little acid in there, that could really take it to the next level. Ah, nice. Sounds good. I definitely like, uh... Definitely love tea, so I definitely would take some tea-infused booze for sure. Yeah, yeah give it a try. Right. Uh, Lagunitas Disorderly Tea House Mixed up berries Flavors spiked and sparkling Guayusa Tea <laughs> uh, I gotta stop saying that uh, Anyway that's what we're enjoying This evening but as you can probably tell We're champing at the bit to get into This episode you know, John, you chose well for a number of reasons. I like the way your thought process worked that you were talking about before. Um, luckily uh, for you, I've seen, I think I've seen most of the episodes up until this point. I think maybe I saw three, so maybe I'm missing okay. a couple in between. But uh, I definitely have the context necessary to understand who these characters are and their relationships and uh, all the fun stuff that's going on. I kind I, I missed a couple of the characters I really do like from uh, from Babylon Five uh, this episode. Um, if only I could remember their names. Uh, what um, I don't know. Would it have been Delin? Were you a fan of the uh, the Mimbari at all? Uh, like Lanier. Yeah, I like Delin. Uh, kind of sad not to see Delin, um, and uh, definitely, yeah, uh, Londo. Yeah, a lot of people like Miss Londo. Miss me some Londo. Yeah, he's a he's an asshat, but he's a he's a lovable asshat and a, and a scamp. He's just what... fun to he's fun to watch. He kind of reminds me of in a character archetype way. Kind of reminds me of why I like Quark. Like from not to keep comparing this to Deep Space Nine, but like Quark is like a despicable character who like does war crimes all throughout Deep Space Nine. But I can't help but love him. That's kind of what how I feel about uh, 
Londo. I just like the, the portrayal so much. I think like the the accent and like the physicality of uh, Peter uh, Jurassic. Yeah. Cool last name. Um, yeah, he, I mean, his relationship with Jakar is, you know, yeah. like one of my favorite relationships in a, a series, sci-fi or otherwise, uh, uh, across the board. It's just, it's wonderful and tragic and <laughs> all that at the same time. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, again, I really tried to pick an episode that I was just like, look, I know... This isn't too far in, but it's not too far out that you'd just be like, who are these people? Like, because you might be like, oh, it was kind of neat. But really, with again, without that, I, I feel like this is a, definitely a show that benefits from you just kind of watching it. Heavily serialized. Definitely one big, long story. Not like uh, problem of the week type stuff um, that you might find on like a TNG or a Voyager. Yeah, like it, it was, I don't want to say, you know, I mean, soap operas have been doing it for years, but like in terms of science fiction shows, some were doing it, but most of them were, yeah, problems of the week that you were solving for. And they're, sometimes they would maybe hint at an overarching story, like, you know, Deep Space Nine got there. Um, or there might be some, you know, there might be like the end result or a problem that would show up, but it was very rare, or it felt rare to me uh, compared to all the shows that I used to watch. And watching this where it was just like, oh, yeah, you watch, it pays off. And, it, you know, I feel like it pays off big and you you really learn to enjoy these, uh, the, the characters. You know what struck me uh, as, because I guess I'm, I'm lucky in a way because I get to experience uh, Babylon 5. I mean, I watched it a little bit, kind of like on and off, but it was never appointment television for me. And, like, when I was younger, I the the character of Londo really <laughs> the makeup and design really bothered me like the whole hair fan all of it like I was like this looks dumb and it really that if you know anything about me you know that like one aesthetic thing that it just doesn't jibe with me I, I'm gonna have a really hard time getting into something and that's really what kept me away from the show to be honest it's weird because I really like uh, Gakar's uh, makeup. So it's like some of the best of the biz. Even today, it really holds up. Looks really fantastic. Um, but for whatever reason, I just couldn't get into it. And I think that's that's the case with a lot of the design in the show. And I still don't the a lot of like the costume and, and ship design and stuff. And I'm still kind of warming up to it. Um, but I'm I feel like I'm definitely in a better place to appreciate it now. But I'm excited to like I'm excited to to, to uh, be able to experience this. Uh, for the first time. But one of the aesthetic things that I'm starting to really appreciate about the show mm. is that it feels much more grounded than Star Trek. Star Trek feels very timeless in a way that it kind of exists in a future that you can always see being in the future. You never f quite feel like you would be able to get to it, at least what we're talking about TNG era onward. Um, but uh, this feels much more like crunchy and grounded in a way that a lot of 80s and maybe early 90s sci-fi is and i really am appreciating that it like feel things feel like uh tangible and realistic and like um and definitely of our future or the future that you might imagine um in the like the early 90s 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is like I really am. I'm really, uh, I'm really uh, connecting with that aesthetic this time around. I, I mean, that's really kind of why I liked it because it was. I don't want to be like more serious sci-fi, but it was more understandable uh, to me. Uh, the spaceship designs made a lot more sense because of my, like, I guess my budding interest in like science and all that stuff that was spurned from science fiction shows, but like the star furies are designed appropriately for space. They have multiple like uh, thruster jets for maneuverability and things. They don't like, it's don't don't get me wrong like a little later on some of the ships get really insane with what they can do and you're like nah, i don't think that would really work but you know maybe alien tech who knows but yeah i really appreciated the groundedness i also kind of appreciated the not so perfect like earth force like you know earth defense force type of attitude versus say like starfleet which is you know something i believe we should totally aspire to and yeah you know, starfleet the- is definitely an idealistic destination whereas babylon 5 is maybe more of a realistic i'm it, not talking about like the technology or the story or anything like that but just like oh i could see us as a society going here like money is still a huge thing uh, which is super mm-hmm. interesting, and uh, like corporations are as well, and like there's all sorts of like slick deal making going on behind the scenes, and there's like a a gritty sort of underbelly feeling to to a lot of the how the show operates that is just it's you do it a lot on other shows, but it maybe you just buy it a little bit more on these shows. Uh, it feels like a, a spiritual prequel to um, the Battlestar Galactica remake. I feel like these, they feel very, vibe, from a vibe standpoint, they feel very the same. I wonder, even though Ronald D. Moore is like from the Star Trek universe, I wonder if any of that, I wonder if the, any of the aesthetics and sort of tone of the show influenced Battlestar Galactica at all. I mean, maybe story structure a little bit and, and trying to tell one sort of, you know, an episodic story across the board. I, I think I felt like could have influenced that a little bit. Yeah, that's something that Ronald D. Moore was always pushing. Like, uh, even on Star Trek, definitely, the Deep Space Nine is the most stere- serialized of all the series yeah. of like that. Or, yeah, of pretty that much era. all the series up into the, up into the new ones, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really which, interesting. Which is like uh, kind of a double-edged sword because again, if you're a longtime fan or you really enjoy it and you were there from the beginning, you get the full wealth and enjoyment out of it. And it's harder to kind of introduce somebody midstream or mid-flight into something without saying, hey, you probably should really go this or I'm gonna sit and tell you a story for an hour and a half to try to catch you up, right? That it's a little difficult, but you're rewarded versus kind of like the, you know, the monster of the week, at least you can kind of just say, Oh, watch the tribbles episode. That's great. Or, you know, go, go check out the first Q one. You'll enjoy that because it really historical context doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter as much, but it, it, it's not so much on the forefront as of this. Like if you didn't understand that Jakar and Londo were like mortal frenemies, 
<laughs> you, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd be, you'd be lost when like one week they're nice to each other and the next week they want to kill each other type of thing. And you would really miss that other than be like, maybe they're like the odd couple, which I guess is fair in that regards. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I just, I mean, I love the show so much. I mean, we even used to play the, my brother used to run the, um, the Babylon 5 tabletop RPG. Oh, awesome. So, what so was we, that like? It was cool because uh, I got, I, I made, um, pretty much it was the, it's a character from a Tom Clancy book uh, uh, called Clark, uh, John Clark. And uh, he, he is just a real badass in those books. And I was like, well, I want to make, you know, like Earth Earth Force, like real badass special ops type of uh, character and thing, uh, go undercover and stuff. And it was cool because it was like a little bit more political intrigue, which like if you like that type of stuff, it's great. But, it, you know, it wasn't when the action happened, the action was cool, but it, it, it felt like it was a lot more like. All right, which form do we need to fill out for you to become president of this board? Okay, you know, but it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. It sounds like a blast. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed it. I I, I kid. I, I I enjoyed it. But I mean, that's how much we loved, or I loved being immersed in the world. In fact, if I find my sketchbooks, I'll uh, I'll pull up a few of the pictures I drew of my character. So you can Ooh, please see what do. Like. Yeah, I would very much like to. See, I, I bet the pals would like to see it as well. Yeah. Uh, cool. So let's dive on in. Um, and uh, I, I, the reins are yours, good sir. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to go through the episode. I think the spoiler witch is cool if we don't uh, play the spoiler, spoiler thing. <laughs> I think it's, I think I enough think time safe. has passed. I think so. I think so. Um, and uh, just if there's anything that I kind of either glance over or I forget to mention that you want to bring up that's like in your notes just go ahead and interrupt me and do that and i think we're good sounds good i don't have notes yep. so um, <laughs> that be an issue. perfect great um so I'll, I'll just give you some statistics then we'll move right into it so this episode aired on march 2nd 1994 Ooh. um and the <laughs> uh the director was bruce seth green writers was john uh, j michael straczynski and larry detilio of uh, jms wrote all 111 episodes. Wow. You got to give so, it a, you got to hats off to him. Really incredible stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's again, five years. That was the plan. That was the story he had in his head and the things that happened in episode one, there's so much foreshadowing in that. Once you finish the episode, you go, Whoa, like that's how well thought out and navigated this world was. Um, and then, yeah, a story plot, the Psycorps arrive at the station to capture somebody. And then we'll talk about it as we talk. Yeah. Fun yeah, so stuff. <laughs> really cool stuff right off the bat. That cold open was pretty cool. Got me right, right into it. Right? That's why I was like, like, I was like, look, I know he likes Star Trek. So if I... <laughs> If I if I bring an episode that has a Star Trek uh, uh, actor in it, I think I'll I'll get extra points because I was really worried um, about whether you dig this. But yeah, the the cold opens great. It starts off in space with that decadently nineteen nineties uh, CG, which you know at the time was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like even at the time, it I think at wasn't the time, the best. I, it was the time. What was tough is that it was up against a show that did really intricate, beautiful model work, mm -hmm. and 
there is just it is like model work is timeless. It still holds up for the most part. Like those those ships still look great when the, in those flybys, and uh, so it's it's hard to beat the real thing. But they were on the cutting edge, you know. They were doing something different, and it, it definitely there was you know they did a thing. That's <laughs> they did a thing. Yes. Um, and for those who want to watch it, it is available on Tubi. And uh, I didn't have to watch a single commercial. I don't know if what's up with that, but anyway, uh, yeah, starts off in space. We have a couple of uh, Star Furies following a ship, um, and they're uh, calling uh, the Star Furies are uh, they're little star fighters. They're kind of like a short ranged, uh, at, not atmospheric, but like uh, combat fighters that kind of go. And they're uh, talking to this uh, derelict ship. Uh, trying to get it to respond. So it was your impression that it was derelict. I so that was, that's what they thought. I thought it was that it was going somewhere. I mean, it was going somewhere they didn't want it to, but I mean, the ship itself looks like pretty run down. Um, the thing hard that was say, hard to say. That's I I admire you for for catching that detail. To me, everything was so glossy and shiny. It looked kind of like everything looks about the same amount of wear. I mean, I I have the I have the B five I, like you can kind of see it. The one thing that I was trying to remember, and I and I'm mad at myself, I can't remember it, is that these are Omega Star Furies, which tells oh, yeah. me they're like, uh, like special ops, like special Star Furies, if I remember correctly. Which are oh little, yeah, all... I mean that that guy's chin dimple is all you need to know. <laughs> I mean, for as long as he has it until the chin dimple gets vaporized. Or... Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, I was going to ask you. Like, it wasn't clear to me what happens in that moment. It kind of looked like uh, the ship teleported to Babylon 5, but there was just a flash of white light. What you're saying is like... I think they got vaporized because they don't follow up with them later. That's like, true. I... They don't They don't call and like, hey, has anyone seen... This well, I don't I I don't remember, but again, I have uh, I have bad memory brain now, and it's not in my notes. You never hear me like good news. The three star uh, star fury pilots were safe. Uh, I don't remember picking that up at all. I just remember yeah. that they were tracking it, and then he just disappears. To be fair, the character who. Uh, the, uh, there's a light that emanates from the the ship and then yeah they're gone and then we just see the ship elsewhere which means he could have uh formed his own uh jump gate potentially yeah, as well but i suppose that wasn't really part of his power set though so it makes more sense if what you said is true uh that he just did a big old mind quake and that uh <laughs> destroyed like three fighters they don't no, I guess no one knows about that. So, spoiler alert: they don't bring it up later when they're kind of listing out his his body count. Yeah, there's, there's Sans three. I yeah. guess when it comes to it, um, and then that jumps us right back over to Babylon Five itself, and just real quick history the place update: is Babylon the- Babylon Five? Yes, it, like Hollywood Babylon Five. Um, <laughs> Dateline Babylon Five. <laughs> yeah, Babylon Five is uh, the fifth station that a bunch of different after the Earth Mimbari War and everything they wanted to uh, create uh, stations where the different 
species could kind of get together and have trade. I think of them almost like uh, city space stations that you also, you know, that are kind of like you in. But Babylon 5 is the only one that exists. The other four, like two of them got destroyed or three of them got destroyed through like uh like uh, terrorist attacks and then one just disappeared. Just right. Whoop. Very, very interesting. Uh, yeah. Super intriguing when they go over that in like the first episode. Uh it definitely hooks you in. You're like, wait a minute, what? What? And that's that's what I really love about this show, is a lot of just like layering these little hooks that like you're like, oh whatever, but then like Four episodes later, it pays off in some way, or like two seasons later, you're like, whoa! That's what it is, and that's the type of thing I enjoy. But yeah, we're on Babylon 5. We see uh, Sinclair with his uh, paramour, Sakai. Um, he's kind of like a archaeologist sort of character, if I remember correctly. She definitely does some survey, like, definitely seems like kind of a... Yeah, maybe like an archaeologist for hire. She gets mm -hmm. hired in this episode by a corporation to do a survey of a uh, uh, of an uninhabited planet uh, for valuable resources. Yeah, Sigma nine five seven. Right, the mysterious Sigma nine five seven. It was really funny. So this initial uh, this initial sort of scene um, between Sakai and Sinclair. Like, I was like, wow, they have a lot of chemistry together. But really, it's her. She has a lot of chemistry with everyone. She has, like, a really uh, charismatic personality, I suppose. Because, like, every uh, scene that she's in with another character, there's always a little bit of, like, fun electricity there. I'm not talking about, like, attraction or anything. I'm just saying, like, the yeah, gotcha. fun banter. Um, but, like, and then, then Sinclair talks, and you're like, oh. <laughs> So, hey babe, how's it going? Yeah, so just again uh, for a, a little outside Babylon Five con context, Sinclair is only in season one. Um, the, yeah, spoiler the alert! Hey, let us get there yeah, when we get there. Well, let me explain why, so you can kind of understand why you're not getting as juiced of Michael O'Hare as you'd imagine is the reason why he's no longer was no longer on the show was because he was having uh, mental health issues and he felt it would be best for him to step away from it. So during he, he was doing the best he could with these shows, but not like not necessarily to the caliber that you'll see in some episodes with him in it. Like he, he's really spicy, but this one is kind of like a little, yeah, he's better than Archer. That's all I'm gonna say, but like, sure. uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's let's set hard. the bar a little higher. <laughs> okay, 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 but but that's anyway, just to kind of kind of get a sense of the headspace that the actor was in at the time. Well, so I like, feel terrible. I have to say, the, 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 the poor guy who know who knows what he was going through his head while he was acting. I'm not. By the way, I'm not saying it's bad. It it's, just like uh, the, I was just saying it, they had a lot of chemistry. It felt like. She was doing a lot of the actor it, who plays uh, Sakai was doing a lot of uh, the heavy lifting there. Yeah, no, she I, she's a wonderful like character, um, especially like I really enjoyed her in this episode. And you're right, she's kind of like a little button of energy that appears 
that elevates the scene. I think a lot of the other actors in it just like really kill it in terms of uh, performance and stuff. And I think, sure. yeah, and I like Michael Hare as well. I mean, I I am a Sheridan fan, you know. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Sin I'm not in the Sinclair on Team Sinclair uh, Sheridan for sure, but um, hard to measure up or hard to kind of put a uh, Bruce Bruce Boxleitner against anyone else though, because he's kind of a uh, he, he's uh, talk, fucking Tron. Yeah, he's it's, it's Tron. fucking Tron. So it's that's all Tron. you really need to say. You're not beating Tron. Like yeah. you can try. But he's easy. You're not. No, just no, no. But yeah, I mean, he was, you know. Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh so good. So good. So good. So yeah. Good. Just wait uh, till we get some to some of those great episodes. Oh, you mean I gotta pick other ones that he's? No, I thought I'd That's be right. done. No. This I look. Listen, in the intro, I'm promising this is the start of a saga. So we can't. We have to keep going. Oh, we're we can't stop pick. now. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um. Cold open moves from uh, Sakai and Sinclair to seeing that same ship that uh, blipped out the Star Furies arriving to Babylon 5. No um, questions asked. No questions asked. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a port, too, so there's going to be a place, and, yep, he wants to land, and then, dun, 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 dun. That's right. Yeah. We meet for the very first time. The very coolly named Jason Ironheart. Right. Played by William Allen Young. And just wait. Because if you thought, hey, I love this scenery in this episode. Too bad. This guy's got to eat it all. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he was hungry. What can you talk about? Oh, yes. Yeah, he was. He was hungry. Do you know if he is... (laughs) Do you know if he's a theatrical actor? I do not, but I I imagine that he is, especially um, with that level of flat top. I I just imagine <laughs> that he is for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he's like a theatrical actor or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised. I'm trying to think of the first thing I've ever seen him in. This is the first thing I've ever seen him in. Nah, like he oh I. I God, and he was how put he's one of those actors that like through uh if you watch a lot of tv you were just gonna catch him you know he's like the one done type of actor i know he was in my my favorite shows a man 227 i think he was even yeah even here it says he was in cop rock he was in Dis- renegades district nine Wow. Well, okay. I mean, let's not go crazy now. Let's not talk. <laughs> William Allen Young is really—he is—he is still work. He is still working like crazy. Awesome. Three All episodes right. of Nine One One Lone Star as Benjamin Williams. He was in 127 episodes of Moesha, so I wonder if he was the dad or something. Whoa. Moesha. So there you go. That's what I'm just saying. Maybe I do know him. That's he like I mean he is. Wait a minute, I didn't watch Moesha. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yeah, no. Well, you need to be watching Moesha. No, he was the because that's Moesha is how I got introduced to Cheryl Lee Ralph. You understand? Oh. My, my love for Cheryl Cheryl Lee Ralph goes strong, especially with Abbott Elementary. So for sure that character. But yeah, no, like yeah, I think he was the dad in Moesha or something like that. I mean, he like his face is like. Is emblazoned in my mind, if that makes sense. 
I'm sure it does. He's quite a he's he's quite a striking fella. He's a good looking chap. This one, dude. I wish I looked that good. Tell you what, I, I would be yeah, seriously. Yeah, I also wish I could rock a flat top like that. Problem is, my flat top's got a little divot in it now, so let be a little. Anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, it is an, an impressive head of hair, and it. I think it takes like. You gotta be you gotta be a very symmetrical, handsome uh, person to to rock a flat top, and for it not to be comical in any way. And you said it right there, symmetrical. Yeah. Symmetrical, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get some. That clarity. sounds like that sounds like a character from Babylon Five. I'm symmetrical. I am not. <laughs> Was that the, I am not the last name? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So we move, uh, we, we get Sinclair's beautifully read intro about Babylon 5 and all that stuff, and we move right into the episode where we see ships entering and all this stuff, and uh, Talia Winter, who is the station's psi uh, officer. This is a world where there are people who have psi powers. And uh, it's a, another real cool Easter egg. I thought it'd be great to uh, bring that up. This person, they bring Psy people onto business deals to make sure they're not being lied to. Yeah, that's Which, a cool uh, sort of practical use of this power. I think it's important to delineate that she is a, a telepath. Telepath, and yes, that's right. And uh, not a telekinetic. We get, we get introduced later in the episode as to why that. There's like... Telekinetic people are exceedingly rare and almost always um, uh, suffer from, uh, you know, severe mental illness. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a, a price. There's a price to pay for it, apparently. Yeah, but the but telepaths are much more common, and it's something that could be trained. And there's something that I guess even has a corporation built around it. Well, there is a org, right? So like, there's just a group of people who. This is all they do. That's where they get trained. Uh, this is the episode where you get introduced to the the levels of uh, uh, telepaths and how powerful right. they could be, which, you know, I think that's great because it is that no better way of telling how powerful someone is by assigning a number to it that sounds bigger than most of the other numbers that they're encountering. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I, I, I thought it was a really cool thing. There's a fun little gag while they're, I guess, a fun little gag. I don't know. I guess this is also a product of 1990s uh, television where a Garibaldi, who is the Babylon 5's chief security officer, is riding in the elevator with uh, Talia Winter and her client. And she's talking about, like, he's asking about thoughts and she's talking about, like, oh, some thoughts are really easy to read and they're really in, in, intrusive thoughts. And then as she's saying this, Garibaldi's obviously thinking something he shouldn't, so then he gets a hit in his crotch. Um, Garibaldi, Is it his crotch? He's holding his tum-tum afterwards. Yeah, I just figured. But it that. looks like, his face looks like he got mashed in the nards. Well, that's why I'm saying nards. Like, yeah. he might be holding his tum-tum, but I don't think, uh, I didn't think Upin was going to have him just straight uh, straddle in his junk. Yeah, that, that part was kind of gross, because he is, like, uh, very much just, like, T drinking her in with his eyes during that moment uh i guess like you have to do it because like there is no they, they at no point do they do like the corny thing where like they do the voiceover of the telepaths like what they can actually hear 
yeah. in their minds, which is kind of cool. But then I think they have to. It's it's kind of a cool decision, but then you see they have to like end up doing a lot of this expository stuff, right? Where they're like, you have to have a really sell the reaction in order to make it make sense. Exactly, but I also think it really helps with uh, establishing you know world building and narrative because now you have this and if you remember it later on when you encounter telepaths again you have a shorthand like this is the time to experience and have it go through that and uh you know garibaldi or as i like to call him you know babylon fives john mcclain mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah he's if, if anyone on the ship is going to be the one that gets hit in the nard slash stomach it's going to be him yeah uh but I really, I actually like Garibaldi a lot, except for this is as creepy as uh, all sin. Um, we shift over from that to the introduction of uh, possibly one of my favorite sci-fi villains. Yeah, flat out calling it. Uh, Bester himself shows up, Walter Cunning. And this is the reason why I picked this episode, because it's like, yeah, let's get him in there. It's great to see uh, Walter Koenig do something else. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also, he is great in this role. He is definitely arch in a wonderful way. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, It was, he he was, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's such a fun villain. Very convincing. I immediately bought him. Uh, Aside from my, like, affection for him, as the Chekhov character, I really was like, whoa, fuck this guy. Right? But also, like, I mean, he comes a, he comes aboard, he gives a card, it shows, it shows that little Psy logo on it, but he doesn't say anything. He's just talking to this dude in his brain. And again, like, there's no, like, no uh, cruddy voiceover as you were talking or anything. It was just him like, mm, mm, yeah, like I hate dealing with you because you're so kind of like, he almost has like this. You're so beneath me. Uh, oh yeah. He's given the evil the... eye in a, in a fun way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we get that little quick thing and then we move over to seeing Sakai with uh, the client that uh, Tali Winter, the Psy officer again was talking to. Um, they're talking about the job. And we're getting a lot of, you know, world building. So you you get, my favorite part is you gave so much credit for Jakar's makeup, right? Because it's really good. Oh, yeah. Um, but then there's a Narn in the background here that has none of that good makeup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's the hero prop and then there's the ones in the background. And I'll tell you, John, uh, I I did not watch this on Tubi. I bought this episode. Oh, well, thank uh, you. Because I wanted to make sure that I got the the the, the HD version, and uh, so oh, Boise, did I see that guy? <laughs> <laughs> that that <laughs> person in the background. Oh boy, did I! I was like, I really was like, oh, bless their heart. They really—that's <laughs> a cabin that looks that looks like a dead Narn. Yep, <laughs> just just like so soulless. You can't even see the eyes. They're just like these black like holes, and then like the mouth can't move. There's like nothing, and he's just doing doing all the things a Narn would do. But just like that was that just cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> watching yep. the background. 
This was, uh, I love this scene. Uh, I really liked the world building, as you said. It felt very like Verhoeven almost. It kind of felt like a total recall in a way. A um, the, the vibes of everything. And, uh, and I just love the practicality of taking a psyker with you on a business meeting. And, and all they're there is to be like, yeah, they're being truthful. And it is just like a, a fun, practical way people would utilize that amazing power because it would just become commodity like uh, a commodity at some point and i think uh that is a really cool part of the show and how they kind of show these very exciting things that are kind of mundane um uh by this point so that was uh i love this whole scene from a world building perspective and also i love this <laughs> scene uh because jakar uh, his the eye look that he does the sort yes. of like eye pop that he does when uh the camera pans up to him is so delightful yeah the mm, 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 yep oh mm, hey remember me i'm like, in the episode now he's like hey, hey it's me jakar yeah. <laughs> that's right so yeah. good everyone's former favorite uh, favorite former slave of the uh centauri wink wink Take me out. Centauri. Yeah, no. Uh, Jakar, yeah, he is absolutely... Pro Damn, it's tough. He's He is still probably my favorite character in this whole show. Oh, the voice. The he's, voice. He's great. He is so great. I and mean, the makeup looks so good. When we he, get to that speech later about the ant, I was enthralled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... I mean, he's so, God, he's, he, 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 he like, he is, I again, we can look, we know that this was written, we know everything, but he's just like so wise and learned and just like truly, he's truly an enjoyable character. And, uh, yeah, Andreas Katsulas, um, who played him, uh, RIP passed away in 2006, was just, he's just, was a great great addition to this like this cast and everything and i'm so happy he was there i really do enjoy that yeah uh totally let's see agree. from there we shift over to uh sinclair day drinking i don't know now he's doing paperwork or something in his office and he's just like i was asked not to be bothered and all of a sudden he's like very important people are here and this, see this is what i'm talking about this is why sinclair is all right though he looks up, he sees it's Bester and the liaison, and he's just like, get out of my head. Like, I really appreciated that because it means like, maybe there were some classes that he, he took that would teach you like when someone's probing around in your brain a little bit. Yeah, he recognized the feeling and recognized that it wasn't said out loud. I do, uh, I like that whole scene. I like how he's, uh, I think this is this is a great bit of acting uh where he's like oh yeah no no to right now is just fine there's uh, it's a fine time and then he's like wait a minute get <laughs> out of my head and there's something so uh commanding about the those eyebrows Sinclair's eyebrows are so are so uh emotive um and uh in this one especially because they're sort of like they're these big fuzzy caterpillars that are usually just kind of sitting in kind of a sad angle on the top of his eyes and it gives him a very sympathetic and empathetic vibe but but here these caterpillars are at attention 
and then you <laughs> you really feel the seriousness coming off of him. Uh, I did want to ask you a question about this next line, though. Uh, yeah. When Bester is like, oh, uh, you know, it saves so much time. And it's like, does it? Because it, it does. It seems like it takes the same amount of time if you were saying it out loud. No. I think it just, it's his preferred uh, form of communication, right? Because well, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, John. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not, it's, look, I guess if you and I could just do that. Um, probably wouldn't have a podcast. Probably be a pretty boring one. <laughs> yeah, just be like an hour of something silence. Which you're like, <laughs> but that'd be all internally. <laughs> Of course, yep. yeah. That's right. But John, as they say, uh, there are rules, and then there are rules. Yeah, yeah, they do say that. I, I feel like, like I feel like you just hit me with an aha, and maybe my brain is not smart enough to figure out what the aha was. <laughs> no, it's not an aha. It's just a. I feel a like funny you just line. tried to aha me. No, no, it wasn't aha. No, no, sorry. Uh, take me. <laughs> That's I'm Bester. Talking your brain. There are rules. Maybe there are rules. Yeah. But this was this conversation's pretty much saying, hey, look, there's a fugitive on here. You need to help us with this. Not really asking. Um, and we're kind of equipped to do with it. Yeah, because they're the Psy Cops. Yep. Who, who? I, I mean, I really do enjoy that line. Comes up a little bit later, like who watches the Watchmen. I love. I, I really did enjoy that line. I was like, thank you for throwing that in there. Yeah, I love that. Like they're part of the Psy Corps, and they're the Psy Cops. Yeah, it's like you got any other names, guys. <laughs> yeah. They're not well, like Mind Squad or Telekinesis. Uh, geeses or uh, i don't know yes, something the, cool like that yeah yeah like that yes like yes that. i would be i would be mortified if i came across the uh telekinesis geeses geeses yes <laughs> that's right honk honk <laughs> your brain's about to get the bonk <laughs> uh but uh, I thought that was funny. The fact that they come from Psycor and they're called Psycops. It is definitely like, oh, do they eat Psyreal? Like, they got they yeah. put their Psy boots on and they got a Psy card they give to people? Yes. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, did I spoil it? Did, did we jump ahead too far? Yes. You just, you, 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 we can't do the show anymore. We're done. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. We're done. We're done. Um, that jumps us over to... Um, um, Mr. Jason uh, Ironheart himself uh, picking up room and board. And I don't know if this was reasonably priced or unreasonably priced. I have no context. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like it would be good. Like the room looks like crap. And I think I, I think he's in a section that maybe is like a, towards the bowels of the ship. Yeah, you. I mean, you might be right. Like, I mean, Brown I was sector? like. No, it's blue sector. We find that out later. Yeah, you know, blue. Well, no blue, no brown notes here. Only blues. Nope. Only <laughs> no, this blue. is the Happy Days Bar, located <laughs> in the brown sector. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 this is my. I think I don't know about you. Do you have a favorite 
power that you see in science fiction because hmm. I, I think for me it is telepathy because of just how cheap it is to do and how weird it looks depending on how they shoot it it de- <laughs> it definitely is cheap to do uh the telekinetics on the other hand we see later uh, that's a different story but yeah the telepathy is a is a fun it's a- it's a fun little bit of business, I'll, I'll agree. Oh, yeah, happy days, sure enough. <laughs> days, D-A-Z-E. Oh, shit, That's I right. name a bar that. That seems like a pretty good name for a bar. It's a pretty good name. <laughs> pretty good. I approve. Yeah, no, I, I like it because we watch Ironheart get the room and then immediately have a, a mind quake. Um. Right. Yeah, he's watching. He, you know, he does what everyone does when they get to their new hotel room: pop on the TV, grab yep. yourself a glass of water, and just watch the TV standing up for a little bit. But uh, no dice, because he's got, like you said, he's got the mind quakes. And not mm-hmm. only does he have the mind quakes, everything around him is gonna have it too. Yeah, and this is what you're talking about with that scenery chew in here because there's no one in here but him and the scenery and he's moving all about and it's like, like that look on his face is the look i have when i eat something that's not good for my stomach yeah that was me yesterday <laughs> <laughs> that was me curled up on the, in the fetal position on the bathroom floor with the, just my hands next to my head like, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> shake it exactly. yeah like the the look on his face is the first the first uh, the first foray of me going ooh, <laughs> like oh, <Yep. laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> this guy. I mean, uh, there is definitely the his act. His performance in this is very heightened. That being said, it is also um, it, I guess it's it's appropriate for the character because the character is in a it is in a bad way. We start finding out here, and I think that like the level of emotion that he the, the choices that the actor is making like on how heightened to play the character i think actually lines up pretty well with the transformation that he's going through uh it's like he is turning into something else over the course of the episode and i think that like that was a conscious choice let's play this really hot like uh a heightened version of this character because he is going through something that like no one can possibly imagine I think you're right. I think you're right on this, especially how how fast like this this uh, transformation is is kind of occurring is also like a I guess a, a knowledge that this character would be inferring from that, like you know picking up and, and growing leaps and brown bounds that we're not necessarily privy to at this point, but will become privy to uh, mm-hmm. relatively quickly. Um, we shift over and we learn that, uh, we're in Sinclair's office, I believe, where we see, uh, we, we learn that, uh, Ironheart was Talia Winter's trainer at the Psycorps. Corps. Yes. That's what we learned first. It definitely, that, that adds, a, a, a like an extra layer to everything when the, the further details of their relationship are revealed as the episode continues. Yeah. But that's what we learn. This is where we learn the rating. It goes uh, according to them. I think it's P one to P twelve, with the psy uh, psy cops being P twelves, where uh, most of the teachers and I like this too. Most of the teachers at the uh, at psy corps were P tens, right? Because the, uh, 
you know. They need someone to keep him in check. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and they're jerks about it, and they're like, look, we're going to have to scan your mind because we know you're friends or something, so uh, we're going to scan you now. And the most uncomfortable and cheapest science fiction effect of all time <laughs> is... What effect? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just a sound effect? I mean, it, got it, give it up to these Walter Koenig and uh, the the. Uh, let me look up her name just so I'm not. Felicity Waterman. Felicity Waterman is the who plays Miss Kelsey, and uh, and yeah, I they do the way that they're moving around. Um, real Meisner technique. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It does like it feels practiced. They feel like totally in lockstep. There's something that like feels very ceremonial about it almost mm-hmm. in a way that kind of I think deepens the the mystery of the the whole psychor uh, angle. Um I really like I think it is it is super cheap and it's obvious like why they did it. Uh cuz they've got some they've got some bucks to spend on the VFX coming up. Um, that's true, but uh, but I really liked it, and I, I think that's, I think that that can be, I think that that could be attributed to Walter Konings and uh, Andrea Thompson's performance in this moment. Um, I think there's like a lot of intensity, and it looks genuinely like uh, invasive painful. and pa- and painful, yeah, yeah, in a way that is, is that uh. Uh, Andrea Thompson is like selling really well. Yeah, no, I think it's, it, I mean, that's why it's my favorite one because it doesn't really take anything. Maybe you get a sound effect, maybe you don't, but it's just a bunch of people just kind of walking around looking real intense for a little bit, but it always pays off versus like, yeah, you get disappointed. You see someone shoot like lasers from their hands or something that doesn't look very good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's later. That, that Oh, that comes almost immediately at the end. You're like, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's why they got to save them big bucks. And also, like, I mean, Psycorps, you know, they come in, they're wearing all black outfits except for, like, gray turtlenecks and stuff. Like, they have, like, this whole different air about them. Like, ooh, yeah, definitely creepy. Sinclair didn't appreciate uh, didn't appreciate what happened as well. Um, yeah, he definitely looks like he wants to hit Bester, but that won't happen yet. Yet. <laughs> Exactly. Um, we jump from that to uh, Talia walking away, and then uh, Ironheart shows up and is like, "Hey, I need your help." And he's wearing that—I guess it's not a members-only jacket, but shit, might as well be. Um, need your help, and he just kind of goes through the. I think this is the point where the explanation about what he volunteered for and all that stuff. Am I, am I remembering correctly? I believe so because yeah, he, he waits till after, uh, the interrogation to contact Talia because he knew that they would probe her for the, uh, the truth and didn't want to get her, uh, uh, you know, um, punished by them. That's right. That's right. And so he said, no, he's like, look, I need to talk to you later. Um, and then we jump over to Jakar talking to Sakai, 
about like, hey, you might want to leave like Sigma 957 alone. Yeah, it, it's weird stuff happens out there. And uh, Sakai is extremely uh, just not here to hear what uh, what uh, Jakar has to say. Truly. It's just like, whatever, man. You just want it for yourself. You're just like being a little dick. <laughs> exactly. It's like, look, things on this station aren't as they appear. You know, that's kind of like his his his, his statement. She's like, oh, you just want this. He's just like, uh, what was it? Let me pass on the one thing I've learned about this place. No one here is exactly what he appears. Not Malari, not Delenn, not Sinclair, and not me. And then she's like, yeah, whatever, old man. I'm just going to stare at you walk away. And then we jump back over to now Ironheart explaining how the side corpse was, how he volunteered to be experimented on. Um, And he's just kind of talking about what the experiment did and how it, you know, it, it changed his abilities. And he's now like kind of, seeing things and he's able to do things that he hasn't been able to do before. Yeah. This um, is where he explains the differentiation between, uh, telekinetics and telepaths. And basically what Psychor was trying to do is come up with a combination, a cocktail of drugs that would create stable, predictable telekinetics. So they could have, uh, telekinetics because you can imagine how much more powerful like a telepath is powerful because they can invade your thoughts but a telekinetic they can move stuff around with their mind uh i think the example is just like they give at one point is just like oh they could take a, a tiny shard of metal that you can't even see and just like ram it through your brain and you would never know and you'd never know the person who did it um and so the danger here is palpable uh he didn't think that they, he was thought that no, was going to be stuff for like moving stuff in space. And, well, no, uh, he was, no, I mean, he was, he was, he was also under the impression that he thought it would be like, yeah, think about a bunch of powerful tele telekinetics who are able to form a energy barrier over a planet to protect it. Yeah. And so he was thinking really big when in re realistically, yes, yeah, I was thinking really small to your point. Yeah. I just pull something in your brain. I mess with your heart. I do something that, you know, like assassination, uh, you know, uh, tools to control um, where you could never get caught because like there would be no evasiveness. Things would appear natural. So that instead of going big, they're going small and he could kind of see what was happening with that. And he was like, all right, I'm out. I can't, I can't deal with that. And yeah, it's fair. And I think that is exactly the kind of application we would probably get if we had Psycorps anyway, and they were busy oh, yeah. trying to figure out, they'd be like, how do we make these people uh, be able to kill somebody from far away? In fact, wasn't that, I think there was like a CIA program allegedly don't come after me, CIA that was trying to train people to be able to be telepaths to like pinpoint where people were and find them that way. Oh, yeah. I believe they made a movie about it called Men Who Stare at Goats or yes, something to that effect. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That, though that was a real program. Uh, yes. Yeah, you know, the CIA tried all sorts of stuff. He's like, hey, what if it is real? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's worth the exploration and stuff like that. But I really like, I mean, you kind of understand why, you know, Jason Einhart left and ran because that's scary and he didn't want to be 
used in that way or be dissected for them to figure out exactly what blend of cocktail, you know, cocktail of chemicals and stuff mm -hmm. would create more of him. And then we shift back over to this one. I'm kind of blanking on. I know Bester's being an asshole and his, his, uh, his rival. This is where his rivalry with Garibaldi forms, uh, from oh, the scene. What do you think he's so the Garibaldi's pissed off at him, but he he is obviously thinking something mean that we don't hear as the audience. Uh, so what what do you what does he say? You think because he says because Bester responds uh, something to the effect of uh, anatomically impossible, but you're welcome to try anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so like. So I'd like I'm, to shove my foot up that guy's ass. Is that yeah, what I thought? That's what I'm thinking. But I, because I think of Garibaldi as John McClane in space, yeah. I just imagine he just did that. My favorite, my favorite line in, or my favorite line delivery in Die Hard is, like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you," because he sounded insane when he said <laughs> it. <laughs> and I thought maybe he's like, "I'm gonna fucking stick my foot up your ass," you know? Like he's okay. going like this. It's really. <laughs> really like unhinged type of approach and yeah Pester's not afraid of that it's like i, I can read your mind but i'll know you'll come in but it, this is this is like the, the the foundation the building blocks we will between the disdain that these two people will have for each other for throughout the rest of the uh the show effectively yeah that makes sense and we uh jump to sakai using the uh jump gate then we see Jakar in his office, placed by very evil lighting. Oh, what is he up to? Yeah, and he's he's asking for a a fully armed fighter to go to Sigma nine five seven. Dun dun dun. Yeah, in back. Was it ran. a setup? Oh no. <laughs> Was it? I don't know. <laughs> no. Okay. Thanks. You find out it's not. Uh, we go through more of the Psy exposition um, until Jason can no longer uh, control himself and he has a, a super mind quake. Yeah. Get out! <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it's also like that's my also also my favorite thing is the shaky cam because you you know like you get it in star trek all the time where they're not they're, they're pretending to shake on the trees and shit and like when you see like sinclair bester there the hallway you you know the camera's moving but they are not the show that the mind quakes going on <laughs> uh yeah but then they get down to the section they've uh they can't get through it. There's like this energy field kind of like ripping up and through the hallway. And they're like, yeah, it's 360 degrees. It's all around. There's no way for us to get through that. And I was like, oh shit, that's pretty cool. And I liked yeah. all the looky loos in the background because yeah, yeah, that was cool. I like that. Uh, I like in general, they, you know, it's clear that they don't have like a, a unlimited budget, especially in this first season, but I do like how they make, the station feel very open and airy and it definitely suggests uh or at least sort of hints at how big it is and i think that's a that's a, a feat that this show does that is very impressive especially for the time 
Yeah, especially with the time, especially for the budget. Yeah, no, they, 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 they do a lot with what they can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we jump over. We're now at Sigma 957 for a little bit. Sakai gets there. And we jump right back over to the station where fucking my other favorite carrier, uh, character, excuse me, uh, Inova, uh, Claudia Christian is just kind of reading like Bester and them the riot act a little bit. Yeah. Uh, only a few, um, only a few appearances in this episode. Yep. Um, I really like this character too. Uh, definitely, uh, Ivanova is uh, eh, she's cool. I like uh, Claudia Christian too. She's like kind of a very much an an it person of that uh, time period. I feel like I saw her everywhere. Yeah, um, and, and and again, just like with a show like this, she just gets better as the seasons go. So sure, yeah, even more of it. But yeah, I love the. Uh, the line I wrote down was like all the moral fiber of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> and then the lady, you are the situation. That was, that, that was classic. <laughs> what a great line. That's a good one. Yeah. She like, yeah, like the other, uh, uh miss, uh, Kelsey just cannot match up to the intensity of Lieutenant commander, Susanna. I've, uh, Ivanova, uh, because like powers are not, like she mops the floor <laughs> with Miss Kelsey. Yeah, she's just she just got mud hole stomped. Um, and effectively, this is just going down to like, look, we need to capture him. If we don't capture him, then we're gonna we gotta take yeah. Ironheart out. That's, that's kind of what Bester and them kind of come up with. Yeah, uh, apparently we- there is a there's a, like a word that they could say to him that will deactivate yeah. his powers and bring and take him out. Um, yeah, like never kill clear switch. if that's true. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't I, think so either. Yeah, I think like for them, I don't. I don't think it would matter if he was alive or dead at that point. You know what I mean? For them, they just like, yeah, we'll do some. We'll figure out what happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, make it seem like that is because Bester for sure is very duplicitous. So can't ever really trust what he says. Um, in that regard. All right, I think uh, I think Tali is able to get through the. F- After that, we jump over. Tali is trying to get over to uh, Jason to uh, talk him through. She was able to get through and talk to him some more, and he's like, "I'm changing. I can see things, and I can do things, and you know, like there, there's more going on here, and I need, you know, I need your help. I need yeah, your help." Yeah, he's becoming. Yeah, I don't know how I'd handle someone saying that. Like, yeah, he is becoming. No, yep. no, 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 no. Not like the way you mean it. Like, no, he's becoming. Yeah, and this is a very important uh, phrase to this episode. They will go They will go back to it uh, at the end uh, in a fun way. They will revisit this whole concept of becoming. But they're implying, like, uh, Bester implies it a little bit when he suggests that uh that uh Ironheart here is not is human or not wholly human in the traditional sense or what what how Bester or Sinclair might think of a human. But uh 
this is where we kind of the audience get the hints that like oh this is this is this person's their mind quakes are a a result of them transcending they're they're becoming another form of life which is very interesting yeah i mean so we kind of learned he's there to say goodbye yeah right like he's just like that was that was thing because he he's like i'm becoming everything i think that's the line if i'm remembering correctly you're like whoa well that's a that's a far out thought. Um, from that, we learn why you don't go to Sigma 957. Uh, we shoot Ben over. Sakai is doing her thing. And uh, everything looks fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, she is just on <laughs> that scene you mentioned earlier. It's like the computer's like, you will reach the planet in two hours. And then she just kind <laughs> just sits there. Sits there. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Just gonna sit here for a couple of hours. I guess it's a lot like driving a car in that regard. Uh, but like some distance from the planet, she's intercepted by this creature, and wow, this was an effect. Yeah, it's um. Fuck if I can explain what it is. Um, I mean, I probably could, but it is. Yeah, it's wild, and you're right. This is where the, their effects budget went to this uh multi-armed faceted eye thing because as she's going towards the planet there's like this weird energy disturbance that's happening that then turns into this giant multi-arm monster that appears and then like portals away without a jump jet and then like her uh her her ship her her ship just gets like messed up it's like losing power it's losing everything and it's drifting towards the planet really like the the design of her ship uh it felt very utilitarian and um rugged in a way that you would expect this character to have really liked it yeah it looks like something out of starfield yeah <laughs> yeah it's got like it lo- yeah it looks like yeah okay if you were to describe what nasa vehicles and stuff look like in space but then added some stuff yeah it's a it's a it's unique i wouldn't go like be like it's to me it's not iconic but it's definitely like a no. unique design like you said but yeah no this 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 graphic this effect is wild it is wild but yeah. it's it's bad news for her because uh she is losing power and falling into the atmosphere and things are looking dire exactly will sakai make it dun, dun, dun. we don't know we don't know because we jump right back over to talia bringing uh sinclair to ironheart being like look we need to help him and he's like look just help me get over here and we'll be cool that's all we need to do um he's just describing like that he can see like the building blocks of who sinclair is it's like some wild shit yeah, he is transcending through space and time. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the scene where they are on that oh, tram. On the tram, yeah, yeah. I, I tried to jump over that real quick because it's yeah. The, yeah, the, <laughs> but the tra- then, yeah. But then they talk about how, do you know what it's like when a telepath makes love? It it was like, whoa. The, the I thought this was foreshadowing for the gift that he gives her later. <laughs> Cause they used to be lovers. These uh, these two, 
um, uh, Ironheart and uh, Talia Winters. Um, and, uh, uh, but yeah, this is like a very, I, I think, no, the scene is great. And I love anytime they're in the tram because like, again, the effects aren't great, but it just, it's a way to give you scale in a way that some other sci-fi shows don't do. They like, you know, when you're inside of a transport, oftentimes there's just like, gotta save budget. There's no windows. Maybe there's like lights that go by to give you the sense of movement, but they really went for it here. You know, they, the, they, you know, yeah, I really mean, sh- tried to give you an idea of how big this place is. And you see like farm plots in the background and like greenery mm-hmm. and like an artificial sun. It's cool. I liked it, even though it didn't look great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it didn't even look great in 94. I tell you what, you were like, ooh, <laughs> I oh, it, yeah, I, I remember. Uh, but it is fun. Like, I don't know. It, it's it is kind of like '90s TV writing to have like the thing that you that like the only time your mind is quiet when you're a telepath is when you're getting down. <laughs> hey, maybe JMS knows something we don't. Just yeah, saying. just saying. Yeah, sure. Maybe he's maybe that he knows what's up, and I I just don't at all. But and I, I'm not to say that that's bad at all necessarily. Um but it was an interesting world building detail uh, that I, uh, I guess I was surprised by and delighted by. Sure. Well, remember, it's not mind over matter. It's mind over energy. That's right. Um, but, you know, I think with this conversation, Sinclair's like, yeah, all right, I'll help you. Whatever. I don't like Bester anyway. And then uh, he calls up to his two favorites and it's like hey i need to get this dude from here to here you gonna help me and i'm like all right i'll do that we jump right back over to seeing where sakai is as she's careening towards the planet very slowly yeah she still has an hour and a half before she's gonna make impact (laughs) a lot of time a lot of time to consider the you should have listened you should have listened to jakai you told um yeah he told he told her uh but yeah all seems lost all seems lost and then who shows up two narn jet fighters or star fighters and they're like they're calling her she's like oh no they're gonna blow me up they're gonna blow me up this is it i knew it your car betrayed me or whatever and then all of a sudden they're like okay no we were told to come find you uh uh, stay tuned, and they they hook up to her ship and pull her out of the atmosphere. So the sky's all right. Yeah, they they definitely did a little misdirection there because they was like had Jakar say, "Oh, you know, don't forget to to be fully armed. Uh, you know, really load get the loading the weapons loadout uh, all stacked up there." And you're like, "Oh no, what are they gonna do?" And maybe he meant like. F- Fully grappling armed. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's you're not sure who you can trust yet. It, to your point, you know, there's a lot of like uh, false, uh, uh, a false showing of evilness with the red light, him ordering, it, and you're like, oh, he is sending somebody to the killer. Oh, this is going to get crazy. You know, it's a, a little uh, red herring. In terms bit. of ghosts, but it, it, enjoyable nonetheless, and then it makes for a very powerful conversation a little bit later. Um, you know, all more impactful. But we jump back to the station where 
security is going to go do the things that Sinclair asked. And Bester's like, is everything all right? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. But you can't lie to Bester. He's reading your thoughts whether you want him to or not. Yeah. I mean, I, part of me was very much like it does seem it did seem like, whoa, Garibaldi's a genius. Like he just told everyone it's a drill. And then that way Bester couldn't read uh, his mind because the way that Bester reacts. And then when Bester shows up later, I'm like, wait, did, wait, wait, what? That part kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. Uh, I just thought they kind of, they was like, oh yeah, I can just sense this guy walking through the ship because he must be like a bright beacon of telepathic energy. Uh, but you, it would make more sense if he just read someone's mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just where I. That's that's just what I inferred from it. Was just like, oh, and here's the thing: Bester's not dumb, right? Yeah. Like, like some villains are just naturally dumb. Yeah, look, everyone in care, every character in a show is dumb to something, uh, blind-eyed, or you know, they got to learn a moral to teach them something that they should have already known, but they had the experience of something really bad. Bester's a smart. Bad dude. So I'd be easy to infer if even if he was thinking drill, now you're lying to me. But in my head, I was like, no, nah, he knows you're. He knows you're lying to him because he's dreading. He's like, oh, let me just go over to this area. You're telling, you're you're saying it's a drill and telling us all to avoid. I'm just gonna go to that area. And then you know what you get is Ironheart uh, uh, crab walking. <laughs> he looks like i do when i need to get to the bathroom after i have my ooh moment (laughs) that's yep uh and he's like uh he's blasting off force fields and he's like uh he's fully powered up he's powered up he's going super saiyan over here yeah it's true i like this effect it's like that weird white ripple that's kind of going across everyone's just like look you just let him go just let him go. The mind quakes going. Everything's going crazy. And Bester's like, nah, I don't trust this shit. Because Bester's trying to use the code or whatever in his face of it is mine. And then, you know, Sinclair finally gets his wish by decking <laughs> Bester. Yeah, he knocks him. One punch knocks him out and then slowly lowers him to the ground. Very smart move. Very smart move. No lawsuits for him. Exactly. He's uh he's gonna sock him one, knock him out clean, and then slowly lower him to the ground. No, he you know, he doesn't want to kill him, but he does want to you know shut up his mind, which he does. <laughs> which he does, and then uh, but Miss Kelsey's uh, about to use her PPG. Uh, this, this, <laughs> these guns and the effects when they fire are fun. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he's got the the PPG out there. I have to say, love this effect. Love what happens to Miss Kelsey. Oh yeah, I mean, she just gets just gets straight disintegrated. Yeah, it's uh, really cool. It's like kind of like a burning paper effect matched with like it looks like they have sand just like filmed upside down and like yeah. going up. It is it is like a really it's kind of a terrifying effect. I, I thought I found it really, really effective even uh, today. Yeah. Cause I'm just going like, what's she doing? Was she disintegrate? Like, was she atomized? Was she just ripped from time even? Cause it like, it really had like this very ethereal. Uh, I think she it. was just like Dr. Manhattan. I think she was just yeah, like yeah, atomized yeah. Uh, into the, into the ether. I forget what exactly what Ironheart says here, but it is a great line. 
He's like, you cannot hurt me. <laughs> One who has dreamed. <laughs> I don't know the ex- I wish I knew the exact line. But it is very like, it's like, wow, that is, uh, that's, I, I don't know if you planned this or not, but what a thing to say before you atomize somebody. It, oh, yeah, totes. <laughs> I mean, it's a fucked up thing. Um, and then you get the uh, Hadouken that he uh, that Ironheart throws at Bester. He's trying to shoot him with the other, his PPG. He, he wakes up. He tries to shoot him. Yeah, uh, doesn't work. He's able to, to deflect those. He's, he's past the point where terrestrial weapons make any difference. Yeah, you're not going to do anything. He's like, okay, just just get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, get me to get my to that ship. ship. Uh, yeah, and he gets to the ship, and they're all watching the ship leave, and then the the um, the the transformation to all, you know all I could uh, equate this to to godhood is yeah, uh, a being of pure energy and light. Yep. And uh, what you think of this effect? Oh, it's a fun one. This is a fun <laughs> effect. There's like it's like a cloud with like a like a kind of like a a rudimentary CG model in it um of a person and then just like a bunch of lens flares <laughs> orbiting around it it's a you know it's kind of a hat on a hat but i'm i like it i i think i like this effect more than i like the effect when he beams his gift into uh talia there's a there is like a snow miser quality to that, <laughs> uh, to that I, I wasn't exactly here for but uh yeah no it's a fun effect it's it's corny but it's fun yeah 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 i like it yeah he, he beams a gift uh passes uh, talia passes out uh after receiving that and he's just all like later captain yeah, I'll see said, you in a million years. I'll see you in a million years. <laughs> I don't want you to spoil it, but God, I hope that pays off. It does. One million years later. <laughs> Sinclair, you hear? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> oh, oh, he's just bones. <laughs> Whoop, not as smart as I thought, I guess. Anyway, bye. I'll come back in a million other years. <laughs> Maybe he'll be alive again. I don't know. I don't know how life works. I'm so detached from being a human. Bye. I'm good. God now later. Bye. <laughs> um, then we get this this lovely uh, tete on tete with Sinclair and Garibaldi and Bester and him saying, "Look, you're not going to say nothing. This is what you're going to tell him what happens." And, yeah, it's a it's a convincing of, amount of blackmail. Yeah, the, Bester has no leverage here, yeah, uh, and Sinclair and Garibaldi's attitudes make that very clear. They're just like, oh, oh, and he's like, <laughs> I guess when we get back from the scene of him transform, like transitioning into a, uh, into a, a, a cosmic being, mm. becoming, sorry, become, he has become, yeah. um, when, uh, uh, when we get that and that whole sequence, I suppose, was like a security video. Because when we go cut to the scene with uh, Bester, he's like, uh, Sinclair's like, that, that, sec- that video we just showed, or that data we just showed you, it's going to conveniently be destroyed. And I'm like, that's fun. So they're like, try to ask, like, tell us that, or, or cut, what the audience believes is like they were seeing the same thing we were seeing. Like they were watching the episodes a la Spaceballs. <laughs> so <that> was, <laughs> it's happening like now. Yes, now. <laughs> when will then be now? Soon. 
exactly. No, I, I mean, I like it because it also shows like there's a level of, you know, hardball, like you said, grounded. Yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do, but you're, you're a family on this station. You're trying to make it better, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the galaxy's best hope for, you know, peace and all this stuff. Sometimes you're going to be a little, a uh, little cheeky about it. Yeah. Um, we see what the gift was and apparently they still have a, oh, it's her like grandfather's penny or something or something. Yeah. Uh, it's like a special penny of some sort. looks like a. It does not look like a penny, weirdly. That looks like, I guess maybe it's, it's a future penny. but No, it's uh, an old one. It says, it's the old one that says one cent on the back. It's like, old, it's, oh, it's I guess old, just like the, the copper around the is rim all, is rubbed off. Yeah, exactly. I think they just distressed it. Uh, right. But we, but we learned she was given telekinesis. Yeah, the, the gift wasn't a mind-quieting uh, orgasm, like I assumed when I first saw it. Leave you one uh, last gift. He's like, because he says, a memory of love. I give you this gift. It is the only gift I have to give. And then she's just like, whoa. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. Hey, buddy. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, you're right. Now she has the telekinesis. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, what a dun. wrinkle. And then we jump to... <coughs> oh, Sorry, getting oh no. choked up. Getting choked up. <laughs> it's almost, the episode's almost over. It's almost over and I'm getting choked up. Um, we we jump to Sakai yeah, sort of confronting Jakar and ask him, you know, like, why did he help? <coughs> um, and then, yeah, we get... I mean, this is why he's such a wonderful character because he's just kind of describing the broader picture, and he starts with this like, um, he he asks her, "What's this crawling on this leaf?" And it's an ant, you know. Because yeah, what bring is in, this? What is this? That, that was I thought that was a great again another subtle great world building uh, moment where uh, where she's like, "Oh, you know, there's so many shipments directly from Earth; it's impossible to to not have ants on the station." And, and I was like, "Wow, that's that makes total sense to me." Um, and there is something very relatable and grounded about like just an ant, you know, and uh, not being uh, a Tarkalian ant beast. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and then he, he kind of talks about the fact that look, there are things in the universe, billions of years older than either of our races. They're vast, timeless. And if they're aware of us at all times, it's as little more than ants. Mm-hmm. And this is really an important statement because you understand the Mimbari is probably and the like the Centauri and stuff are some of the older races that are currently there. But this is setting up that no, there's even races that have been gone that we don't even know exist anymore. We understand, and that's kind of where they uh, hang out happens to be near Sigma nine five seven. Yeah, this was cool. This was very old gods, very uh, Lovecraftian in a way, um, because he describes these ancient things that have been alive for a million years before any of these civilizations were even born. And he says, uh, you know, we have learned where they walk. You either uh, get out of the way or you're crushed underfoot. And they walk uh, around Sigma, uh, through Sigma 9-5. Um, 
and it's it's extremely ominous. It explains why he was being so cagey earlier about not granting her access to it. And uh, like you're saying, it sets up this this like ancient threat that feels very like looming and ominous. There's like a there's a choice that the actor makes um, after uh, the the actor who's playing Catherine Sakai makes after uh, hearing about this, where she does like a shiver. <laughs> yep. I thought that was very. I was like, that's very cool. That is very much how I'm feeling about these ancient beings. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just like, he's like, look, it was great to use the ant as the, you know, as the, uh, as like the discussion point um, to kind of describe like, no, you, you don't understand. Like we are ants to these, you know, to these beings. And I, I really do like, I do like, yes, they are a mystery. And I am both terrified and reassured to know that they are still wonders in the universe that we have not yet explained everything. Whatever they are, Miss Sakai, they walk near Sigma 957, and they must walk there alone. Yeah. And that was just like, ooh, okay. You know, it, it, it it's great because you're like, fuck, I want to know what these things are. Why are they there? Why did this thing show up? And it just, like, it just opens the already fairly broad world that's being, a, you know, the narrative world and everything, and it's making it even bigger, even brighter and uh, mm -hmm. bigger. I, I absolutely love it. And that's um is where the episode ends. Yeah. Yeah. Great app. What a fun app. Great choice. Uh glad you chose one early in the uh the um the st serialized story. Uh but yeah, great characters, really fun performances, a lot of fun effects. Uh uh and uh you know it's not a it's not a box lightener episode, but um, uh, but it's a great one nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for uh, uh, forcing my hand here. Uh, <laughs> I will apologize to the pals and uh, stating that yeah, this uh, walkthrough which we were shooting for an hour has gone definitely over an hour. I will move a lot faster. It is um, our way. Yeah, but I must. I also must evolve. I, you must I, become, become John. I must become. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, I'll um, happy to take any recommendations from the pals who've uh, watched Babylon Five. If there's any other uh, earlier, like season one episodes that we should kind of cover, if not, I'll I'll go through and do the uh, due diligence in picking the exciting ones. Yeah, and I'll try to to catch up on Babylon Five so I'm not uh, hopelessly out of sync for when we there's an important plot point that's dropped that I'm just like, Hey, cool. Yeah. But if anything, I'm happy you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I was really that's worried. Great. It is, it is a series that is, you know, we say this all the time on the show, but it is really a series that's near and dear to my heart and definitely helped formed who I am in, in my most formative years. And, uh, yeah. Well, that is what pop, saga is all uh, about the things the saga of your journey through pop culture and this particular saga at least for now has come to an end so let's roll on into the outro the thing that everybody is waiting for that's right first up we gotta thank burton m6 for all the incredible music on our show check out the show notes for a link to his fiverr page in addition to that 
Check out uh, the link in our show notes to all of our socials, but the one you should really be uh, paying attention to is Discord. Join us on Discord. It's a free experience. You can join the pals, and we can talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Just for just recently, we talked about uh, our top ten list on the previous episode, the one before this one. What we think, what we predict, the the biggest box office earners of this coming year will be. Uh, that could be you. You could be telling us we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's fun to hear. It's probably fun to say. Um, and uh, but with that said, we hope that uh, wherever you are, however you choose to listen to us, that you're feeling happy and healthy. And if you're not, that's okay too. But without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to John for the final word. Remember, folks. Be seeing you. Hey, thank you for tuning in to all my super fans. Hope you coming back again. Got a shout out to Fresca. I know you riding with me as we pull up in the Hyundai Delhi City. <laughs> you want the hype? I got you. Gotta keep it locked right here on Pop Saga. Woo! Pop Saga, let's go. 